Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? 1.15 a.m. in the morning. Sorry for the delay. I was trying to find somewhere to do the show, and I'm right out here in the middle of the press box because all the rooms are taken. When the Patriots are in town, a lot of extra media, a lot of extra attention, Monday Night Football, and it is a disappointing result for Buffalo Bills fans watching their team go down 14-10 to in excruciating fashion, Ryan. I mean, that's the best way I think that we can put what happened here tonight and you know we're going to get into you know how it happened and some of the you know storylines that came out of that game but you know you go into that post game press conference room and it starts off with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and the 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 moment that you know Micah Hyde was leaving the press conference and the the irritation that he had from the moment he walked out knowing the questions that are coming because listen I think the problem here is Ryan and we're getting right into it we're not wasting any time tonight I mean we've done this dance now on these kind of games long enough and I tweeted it out I mean I I think we're at a point in the season where some of these responses and questions you know to questions are, are getting a little bit repetitive and I think fans are getting to the point where it's like enough okay say what you actually mean say what's actually going wrong and I think you know from from Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer today like two veterans two leaders you know this was a, a, a game where they were embarrassed and, and Sean McDermott that was the question that was posed to Micah Hyde. Was this an embarrassing loss? He kind of walked off the stage. He wasn't happy about it. Sean McDermott was posed the same question a few minutes later. And he basically said, every loss is embarrassing to me. And I hope that my players feel that too. And I think that's at the core of this thing. This was an embarrassing loss. And this is in a, a, now a string of embarrassing losses. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I didn't have any issue with that question whatsoever. We were just talking about this, Matt. The Bills went against a team that practically did not have a quarterback tonight. Mac Jones was just a stage prop. He threw three passes in the game. One was a horrendous throw that John U. Smith had to jump up for to, to bat up in the air to himself. Uh, another was a nice play by Dane Jackson. He went two for three in this game. And despite knowing pretty early on that Bill Belichick did not trust his quarterback to throw in those conditions. The bills had no answers in terms of, 
getting that offense off the field after the first few drives, after that Damian Harris touchdown score that put them up eight, nothing. Um, they went on to rush for 200 plus yards. I want to say, you know, they lost some yards in the fourth quarter between some tackles for loss, but Matt Milano, I want to say they were in the two thirties after the third quarter. And that, that's a pretty telling statement on the ground when Damian Harris and Stevenson and that offensive line was just kind of paving the way, uh, for those backs. And, and yes, Buffalo limited their points, but the, the weather also limited New England's points. Um, when, when they're running the ball that well, if they run the, the ball that well in New England here in a few weeks, they're going to have field goal opportunities more than they did tonight. They might have some more opportunities where they actually let Mac Jones throw the ball because it's not going to be 55 mile an hour wind gusts. The bills went against a team without a quarterback tonight and they still found a way to lose the game. At this point, we need to stop talking about this team possibly being the one seed in the AFC possibly winning the AFC East. Yeah. It's still possible that both of those scenarios come. But we're also so dangerously close, Matt, to this team not even making the playoffs. They are currently the number seven seed in the AFC with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the horizon with uh, another matchup against New England on the horizon. They have some favorable games, but this team has alternated wins and losses going all the way back to their win against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm completely off of that train, (laughs) The, the, the playoff train, if you will, at this stage. There is so many things that have to get corrected with this team. And I think we saw it today. I mean, like literally, like if we're like (laughs) picking at different areas, if you want to start talking about the defense, if you want to start talking about the offense and which unit deserves more blame, I think they both deserve an equal amount for this game. And, you know, I think what really set the tone in this game was the inability for the bills to stop the run. And it was almost like they knew the run was coming over and over and over again. And despite the offensive struggles and that's in its own pot, that to me was the storyline of the game because the Patriots were playing one handed. Like there's been so much talk about teams trying to figure out how to play left-handed or right-handed, right? The Patriots weren't even playing with two hands tonight. They were playing with one hand tied behind their back and the bills knew it and they couldn't stop it anyway. I think that there is a serious problem offensively and we're going to get to that in a little while, but defensively speaking, you know, I think there were little pieces across, you know, over the course of the game. And and listen, I'll give some credence to what Sean McDermott was talking about. You go into a game and you give up 14 points. Uh, one, I think there was a field goal uh, outside of the big run. There was a field goal off of the turnover, I believe. Right. So, you know, I, I get what he's saying to, to, to that degree. But over and over and over again to the point in the fourth quarter where I think Matt Milano just got so sick of it. He made two tackles for a loss, but I think you wanted to see more of that earlier. There wasn't enough of that urgency. Like this is something that continues to be a storyline with this team. Where is the urgency in these moments? I, I tweeted it out a couple of times. There had to be urgency in that third quarter when you, you actively chose not to take the win. You won the coin toss. You didn't take the win in the fourth quarter, which I thought was a bad decision. And you know for a fact you have to make things happen in that third quarter, and the offense was just a complete dud. Yeah, they deserve a ton of the blame for this game. We're going to get into that. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the offense very soon. There's plenty of blame to go around, but 
We've talked about this, Matt. This defense has been out physical time and time again. I'm sick of hearing Sean McDermott say that he has a tough physical team. They have not answered the bell yet this year. And it starts with both of their lines, offensive and defensive line. Um, I, we've seen flashes of play from from players. We've seen Jerry Hughes get pressure. We've seen Ed Oliver have a very nice season. But tonight, that line was getting pushed around by New England's. The linebacker position, Tremaine Edmonds over pursues on that long Damian Harris run. Um, we, we see Matt Milano flash in the fourth quarter with back-to-back plays. But like you said, where was that all night from this defense? If they knew it was coming, why are they not getting after it more and, and having more success? Now, I, I think they ended up with something like nine tackles for a loss. But that's going to happen when the opposing team is handing it off over and over and over again, you're, it's going to look a little inflated. I had a lot of people say, well, they, they held them under the, the yardage that they normally hold defenses under. It was different circumstances tonight. The wind, the elements, everything else. There's a lot more points to be had for New England if this was played anywhere else. And I guarantee you they're going to have a very similar game plan in New England. Now, Mac Jones is going to throw more than three times. Don't get me wrong there. But they're going to come right out. They're going to challenge the Bills to stop that run game. And the way it looked tonight, they really didn't have any answers for it up front. They were getting pushed around by a very good Patriots offensive line. And like you said, the, the Patriots were playing one-handed tonight, and it still was enough for them to win. They got out to an 8 nothing lead. Uh, we're up 11-7 at halftime, and, and they never gave up the lead, despite the Bills having more than enough opportunities in offense. Where So maybe that is where we turn to next. You know, for as much as Sean McDermott sets the tone for this team and likes to keep everything in house, I think we really got a view into the locker room that we just haven't had this, this season at all in this, in this press conference today. And I want to get into some of his comments as relates to Brian Dable. You know, over the course of the, the press conference, he got, he started getting asked different questions about Bill Belichick and, you know, what was it something that, you know, coaching against him was their extra frustration he's like it's not bill let's not give him more credit than we need to give credit to bill belichick in this one whether it was bill or anyone else they beat us you sit here and you tell me when we start with the average starting field position at the 40 yard line and he starts at the 23 23 yard line and i'm rounding up in both cases we were one for four in the red zone and they're 0 for one in the red zone you give me that ahead of time and i'm telling you i like my chances i like my chances i don't think with all due respect it's not a bill belichick type thing it's what you are doing with the opportunities that you got. What are you doing with the opportunities that you've got? And I mean, re-emphasizing things to the point where a couple questions later, I, I bluntly asked him about Brian Dable and is he doing enough to put this offense in a position to, to have success? And he said, I didn't think we honestly took advantage of our opportunities tonight. I honestly didn't. The ball's at the 40-yard line and we're one for four in the red zone. We got to figure the part. There is serious, serious disconnect, discord, if you will, you know, with what this offense has been able to do and maybe a disconnect between McDermott and, and, and Dable at this point. I think it's safe to say that. You know, Dable went from a, a can't miss head coaching candidate to a, a guy now where uh, I don't see him having a lot of potential suitors after this season. I think that if Buffalo wants him, he's going to be back here again because he has really failed to build off of that 2020 campaign with, with Josh Allen. And a lot of the decisions tonight, I do kind of put on Brian Dable. How many times have we watched them run it up the gut with Zach Moss and, and Devin Singletary? Matt, it wasn't until the fourth quarter when Devin Singletary broke off a 17-yard run where the Bills had more than a, a gain of five yards from one of their backs. That was the long before that was a gain of five yards, and I believe it was by uh, Singletary. So 
half almost half of his yards came in that one run in the fourth quarter. They're just running into a wall and, and they're just getting two or three yards. They're putting themselves in second and long and then maybe third and long if they couldn't do much on second down. It is not a winning combination. <laughs> Someone let Brian Dable know that in a game like this, when you have a 240 yard quarter, uh, 240 pound quarterback that can move with his legs, run him a little bit more. How many times have we seen them run those um, sweeps to the outside with additional blockers in front of them? When you have first and goal from the six, why aren't you trying something like that rather than a run up the middle? Why aren't you trying a designed run to Allen, even if that's up the middle? We've seen him have success, especially near the goal line, uh, moving the ball, and that wasn't the play call. It, it goes all around them, Matt. Sean McDermott wasting a timeout on on a play where, yes, at first glance, I didn't think Mac Jones got the first down. It looked like he was stopped for a progress to stop, but we've watched enough football to know that it, that's a very tricky play to challenge because of the spot and things like that. Sean McDermott let this team down. He got out coached tonight. Brian Dable certainly got out coached tonight. There's just a lot of issues here from the, the personnel on the field to the coaching off the field. I think it's safe to say at this point that the Bills maybe uh, were overconfident in what they had in the roster and their, you know, maybe hubris, if you will, in running it back with, you know, the guys that they, you know, believe in on both sides of the line. I mean, we, we, we saw tonight the inability, listen, part of this is on the run, running backs. I tweeted out the stat. I mean, the, between the three of them, they were averaging three yards a carry. I mean, at this point, at this stage, I mean, you got to put a lot of it on those backs. I, I, there was a, at one point, I think, uh, Devin Singletary had a couple runs where it just looked like he came to a screeching halt at the, you know, the, and, and we were just talking about it a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, where I thought it was a great run for Devin Singletary, something that I thought that he could build off of. And tonight it was just like they were stuck in mud and Zach Moss got his opportunity. It was more of the same, but I just feel like the pressure and the expectations on this team have infiltrated what was such a loose and free group last year. What happened to Cole Beasley? You know, I, I, I noticed a couple times today, the frustration on his face, like wanting to, you know, maybe go up a, a, a fast pace a little bit more, get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. So many times we've heard Josh Allen over the years say, I need to do a better job of getting the ball in my playmakers hands and letting them make plays with it. Now, one of those playmakers is Dawson Knox, who, you know, you want to talk about regression. This was a massive regression game for Dawson Knox today. I'd put three drops on him and I want to get into this right now. Let's get into Dawson Knox. I, I, I tweeted that the one play where he kind of made the the catch and was kind of on his back and Adrian Phillips came in and it looked like he did swipe it out. You got to make that play. Like, I don't care if the defender made a play. I mean, you got to make a play for your quarterback there. You know, it was prophetic of Dawson Knox a couple weeks ago after the Jets game when he had a couple of, you know, so-so misses, you know, it might have been plays that he should have made. And he said, I got to put myself in a position to make a play for my quarterback. He didn't do that enough today. And I I thought Dawson Knox, you know, he even said it like, yeah, I got to make more plays after the game. You never want to sit there and probably blame it on one player. If you're anybody in the room or the coach staff, I get it. But, you know, Dawson Knox elevated his level of play this year to a point where he's a relied upon player in this offense you know, more so than Emmanuel Sanders, more so than Cole Beasley. And today I think that, you know, he makes a couple of those plays and maybe it's a different game. 
Yeah, I mentioned the fact that Dawson Knox was my uh, my player to watch tonight. And, you know, he was a player to watch, but for all the wrong reasons. Opening drive, third down, I thought that that ball was a, a drop that he should have had or they probably moved the chains. Third, and it was something like third and 19 or third and 17, and Josh Allen rolls to his right. He has Knox come back, delivers a strike despite that win, despite the weather, and it hits Knox. And like you said, that's the play that Phillips comes in, but you got to secure that on the ground. You know, take that hit, hold on to the ball. That's inexcusable. That's a big play by your quarterback uh, that really could have swung some momentum in the game when you convert a third and long like that. That's a little bit of a backbreaker for an opposing defense. He, he didn't look great today. Even, even the throw in the end zone late in the game, that would have been a tough play. But if you're, if you're that guy that you're, you know, that number one tight end or a legit tight end in this league, you try to come up with a way to make that play to at least draw that interference penalty. He did not show up tonight. It was a very disappointing performance for him. And listen, the, the blame goes around. Uh, it was, a, it would have been a difficult catch because of the win factor and everything else. But Stefan Diggs had a ball in the end zone bounce off of his wrist. Uh, Allen missed Gabriel Davis on a similar touchdown pass on a slant play that they pretty much flipped to the other side. I thought that he had a step ahead. Uh, there was the play where Allen thought he had to fall start and he threw to Knox and it was off the mark. Blaine goes around Matt Breida fumbling early in the game with the bills. Uh, they were clo- they had to be close to the 30 at that point. Um, it was right after he had moved the chains on a reception, maybe it was close to the 40, but it, all these missed opportunities, all these missed points, the bills had to win at their back on that drive. Uh, in that first quarter when Breida let, you know, when he fumbled the ball, that wasn't a possibility for a field goal that went off the board. And in a game like this that was decided by four points, that turnover looms large. So coaching staff, players, offense, defense, the blame goes around. Matt, I've, I've been working on the Encouraged Worried article, and, and really there's not uh, many players or things to be uh, encouraged about after a performance like this. There's a bunch of players that I think if you're a Bills fan, you wanted a better you know, performance. I mean, going into this game, all we talked about all week was how important it was going to be for the Bills to force Mac Jones to have to beat them, to have to throw in this weather. You do that in two different ways. I do agree with Sean McDermott on this point is that the Bills needed to do a better job of putting pressure on them by executing offensively. And when they weren't doing that, it, it allowed Bill Belichick and the Patriots to kind of stay in this game plan that they had coming in. And Sean was basically like, you know, they've done this all year. This is what we expect. Well, they didn't do this all year. They didn't run, mm. you know, ninety-seven percent of the uh, of their snaps. Okay, I mean, this was a this was a old school, just like we don't have any fear for what you that for for you to force us to do something different. And you do that by two ways: making the offense the offense putting pressure or stopping the run consistently. And the Bills just didn't do enough of that today. Did they? Um, execute enough to keep them off the board. Sure. They held them to 14 points. I think you can be happy with that at the very least, if you're, you know, certain members of this defense, but one player that I think, you know, needed to show up tonight and didn't was Tremaine Edmonds. And I thought a big reason why the the Colts had so much success running against them the other, you know, the, the other week was Tremaine Edmonds absence. 
he was in there tonight and it didn't really matter. A couple of the same type of mistakes that we've talked about with him consistently misreading, uh, gap assignments, um, you know, over pursuing some of the same type of things that continue to be an issue for him. And that's troubling, especially for a guy that, you know, you have a massive, you know, decision coming up uh, with him uh, at the end of next season. You know, you did maybe not even maybe this off season, if you're thinking about extending him, you know, what's that contract going to look like? I mean, I know Bill Belichick gave him a, a bouquet of flowers this week on him. One of the best defensive players in the league, but mm. you know, he didn't play like that tonight. No. And he's still making rookie mistakes, you know, years in, into his NFL career that you should not be seeing. He needs to be more disciplined. He need, you know, we always hear about the one eleventh mentality that Sean McDermott says he didn't do his one eleventh on that long touchdown play. He's been found out of position at other times this year on touchdown passes, touchdown runs of opposing teams. And again, he's not the only person to blame, but this, this isn't the type of play that you were expecting from him after so many years in the league, after so many years in the system with the same coordinator. This is not a situation where they've burned through different coordinators. Uh, the, the playbook's been pretty much the same. He should be at this point very comfortable in this defense. And there are still times when he is out of place. There's not much that can be said about that, but you know, in terms of, of what's next for him, I, I don't see the bills and how they can sit there and feel comfortable shelling out big money to a player that is still that inconsistent at times. Whereas it, would he be easy to replace? No, absolutely not. You, you don't find linebackers with that range, with that size very often, uh, but he has not lived up to expectations. He's been one of the issues on this defense at times and, uh, I think that if think something doesn't change and change here pretty soon, they, they need to try to figure out a way to move on with him when that contract runs out. One of the things that I thought could be a real issue, we were talking about this on the pregame show, was special teams errors and how a team like the Patriots so buttoned up could be an area where they take advantage of the bills. Well, the bills make the big time special teams play. It leads to a touchdown. And even that is not enough to swing things. Both teams had one turnover. This is just, this just comes down to, you know, getting bullied in a lot of ways. I mean, listen, if you want the, the questions about being a soft team, I got a text tonight from, I got a couple texts tonight. <laughs> Let's be honest. And game, like nights like this, we both grew up in the area. You get a lot of texts and, you know, it was a season ticket holder for 40 years in the family. He's been, he's been going for 30 and he said, I've watched some of the worst Bills teams you can imagine. And this is the softest group I've ever watched. And what was more acceptable about it is at least there was some crappy teams that we watched that at least played like they had a spine. Like at least they played Mm -hmm. tough and they wanted to, they competed. And there were some guys out there that I think were doing that. There's not enough guys doing that right now. And, you know, Sean McDermott can talk about how that's built in training camp. Well, you don't have the benefit of that now. It's something where you built one of the consensus best rosters in the NFL. And whether or not you've done it to that to this point is irrelevant. It needs to be done. He said tonight that he doesn't know if the running game is fixable. The running game has to be fixable. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how you say that. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. 
and by the way, we got right into this thing. Whether you're celebrating it, I know you're not celebrating, but uh, at home or away, uh, maybe next week for the Buccaneers game, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Uh, make sure you hit up uh, Tops Friendly Markets, uh, our sponsor. Another good note, I know we're talking about a lot of disappointing things for Bills fans right now, but we had a big announcement tonight, Ryan. Mm. Tell them about it. Yeah. I want to bring it up. Yeah. We're doing a joint pod here later this month with Joe Marino of Locked On Bills. Really excited about it. Matt, why don't you tell them the, the exact date, the location, and some of the other details about this event? Friday, December 17th. It is on at 7 p.m. We're going to be out at Sunny Reds uh, in Lackawanna. Awesome joint. I know the owner. Um, we've done a couple shows there with Patrick Moran in the past. Uh, here's the announcement. Uh, we, we put it out tonight. We're going to do a live show. So you can come watch a live episode of Shout uh, Joint Pod with Lockdown Bills with Joe Marino. You can come out, meet us. We'll have some, you know, beers. We'll talk about the Bills. We'll preview the Bills and Panthers game, do a kind of state of the team, and it might be needed at that point. And we all, we're also, you know, one of the guys that helped put it together, our good buddy Scott, who's a big fan of the shows, um, wanted us to do the joint pod and kind of put it all together. He, uh, he's putting together a Josh Allen jersey that we're going to, you know, put up for, for, uh, you know, a raffle or something. We're going to do, uh, we've got a Trey White, um, Christmas holiday, uh, Labatt blue sweater that we're going to put up. So it's going to be really cool. Uh, if you're interested in that, definitely hit us up. We'll get you the details. Another thing, Ryan, that I think we got to get into before we get out of here, AJ Klein, nowhere to be found mm. tonight. I think he's a player that I think the bills could have used out there tonight. The bills went a little bit more four, three. They hadn't played four, three base look. Well, their base is nickel, but that four, three traditional base look since week six, they didn't play a single snap of that before tonight. Since week six, they went back to it today. AJ Klein was out because he tested positive for COVID before the game. They had to put him on the COVID list. The, thought is that he's unvaccinated. It's not clear. He was in a press conference a few weeks ago. He was wearing a mask. That is one of the uh, protocols that if you are unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask in that setting. Uh, He was the only player to do that that night, but it is unclear whether or not he's vaccinated. He was out tonight, which meant Tyrell Dodson had to play. And I thought Tyrell Dodson made a couple plays, but they could have used AJ Klein, who has been a bit of a force in terms of tackles for a loss in the run game. You know, another reason why these questions were being asked in the, in the, in the offseason and uh, and a lot of people banging their heads against the wall when 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 hearing those in press conferences that's why they were asked when they were because this had the potential to now i don't think the bills lost this game because they didn't have aj klein but i think it could have helped against the run yeah absolutely listen we saw tyrell dodson make a, i can't remember if it was the first drive or the second drive of the game he, he had a nice stop on damian harris but we know that aj klein can be a force against the run he's that guy that can shoot the gaps get in there he's pretty disciplined as well he's not going to be beaten uh or out of place so he, he's a steady reliable player in that regard he would have been that third linebacker in that four traditional four three look and they didn't have him tonight and, and they didn't have him on special teams where he also contributes so it was a little bit of an issue. Justin, um, really? Justin, really? It's a, it, it, Then don't play football. Then don't play football. The point of it is, I'm, I'm late now and I don't have the patience for it. Then don't play football. Then don't sign up to be as a part of a team. Like, the, How many teams in this league are fully vaccinated? I mean, we're talking about over 50% of the teams in this league, at least. How how would you feel if you were a player in that locker room that didn't want to get the vaccine? Well, this isn't even a political thing. 
Say you say you didn't want to get the vaccine and you got it anyway because you wanted to be a valuable member of the team and you didn't want to put your team. Like, I'm just so sick of that argument. It's not a political thing. I get it. If you don't want to get the vaccine, don't. But don't show up and, and, and play for the team. That's my only point. Sorry, I did. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm kind of no, tired okay. of that. No, it's fine. And, and, you know, I've all seen the comment about Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, I thought that Sean McDermott was re- really telling tonight when he said he didn't trust Isaiah McKenzie or Marquez Stevenson out there at the end of his press conference saying, you know, what happened with the Patriots? I didn't want that to happen to us. I, I need to have someone out there that I trust. That's a pretty telling statement on how he feels about those, uh, the rookie and obviously someone that he was just heaping praise on just weeks ago. It's, it's a complete 180, but whereas maybe they couldn't have used McKenzie uh, in the return game, you know, I, I feel like they're missing him on the, on the jet sweeps, on the motion plays. I feel like the Bills had a lot of offensive yards last year because of how they used him. Even if he wasn't getting the ball, moving him around in the formation, uh, I think helped Josh Allen a lot in terms of knowing what, what defenses were trying to do. I think that he had a, a certain type of role there. And we're going to go back. We're going to look at this Brian Dable offense and say, you know, th- this unit's kind of broken. They're not putting up consistent points. They they uh, stalled out against Jacksonville. They weren't that impressive in the second matchup against Miami. It took them some time to get going there. They were blown out and embarrassed by the Colts, obviously, both sides of the ball there. And, and then tonight, the, you know, they had so many failed red zone, red zone opportunities, and some of that goes back to Brian Dable, the play calls that he made, but also the personnel that he did not use, and that includes a guy like Isaiah <laughs> McKenzie. Yeah, I think the the pivot from Isaiah McKenzie has been puzzling because, you know, to a, you know somebody's point in here, you like use him on jet sweeps, do other things with him. He's been a valuable member of this offense for the past few years, even in a, in a, in a limited role. And even if you don't want to use him as a kick returner, I think, he, you know, I think he would have provided you can't run the ball anyway. <laughs> So maybe he would have provided uh, a, a different look out of the backfield. I think in making him inactive uh, was a bit of a miss here. And I, I know, you know, Marquez Stevenson, he had the fumble last week and Sean McDermott, obviously to your point was very direct when talking about, you know, the taking care of the football in that area of the game. But that also comes down to their evaluation too. Like that's the, that's the thing about all this. It all kind of funnels back up to the top and like, have there been, you know, misses in bad performances by players? Sure. But, you know, they put a lot of stock into Isaiah McKenzie or Marquez Stevenson being able to be that, that kick returner. Cordell Patterson was out there. They could have made a run for him. I mean, the mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons got him for cheap. You're telling me that the Bills couldn't have, like, you know, sold him on coming to Buffalo. There were other options out there. Maybe even paying to bring back Andre Roberts. If he's that much of a reliable player in your eyes, we've heard them talk about Andre Roberts. I just, I, I, I think that that, that, ends up coming back to the overall development. Listen, the Bills, you've watched the show, guys, over and over and over again. You've heard us talk about this team. They've done a phenomenal job at building the roster. There's been a couple decisions, though, especially at the point of attack on both sides of the ball, where I think they've missed the mark a little bit. And it's almost like there's this there's this wait and see for the players to prove that they can do it. And now it's not happening. And now the message coming out, there's a there's a level of frustration 
from the players, an irritation with the players that I've kind of noticed all season. And I think that that comes with expectation. And I think that that's one of the things you could say that's been so great about the Patriots dynasty is, you know, Bill Belichick finds a way. And this is the early stages of this iteration of the team. And I don't want to go overboard and talk about the Patriots as some dynasty yet in, in, you know, with Mac Jones and this, but they play composed in the moment, even when the expectations are at their highest. Everybody this week was saying, on every national show, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. The Patriots are a Super Bowl contender. And how do they come out and play today? Composed. They, they had a plan. They executed the plan. And in some of these big moments this season, the Bills haven't done that. Period. No, they, yeah, they, they have failed time and time again in those moments when, when they've needed to stack wins. They've had bad losses. They've had blown out losses. And you brought it up early in the show, Matt. Maybe it was no fans. Maybe it was the fact that, um, yeah, there were expectations that the Bills were going to win the AFC East last year, but I don't think there were necessarily Super Bowl expectations last year. For whatever reason, this team was able to play loose. They were having fun. Uh, they were able to stack win after win after win last year. They, you know, they, they got on quite the run after they lost the Cardinals last season. This season, it's not happening. I, I mentioned it earlier. They have not won back-to-back games since early in the season. They've alternated wins and losses since the Kansas City game. This is a team that's now hovering near that 500 range. They're just—they don't look like they're having fun out there. You've mentioned multiple players showing frustration. Josh Allen pressing the offensive coordinator, uh, not being able to dial up the right calls like he was one year ago when he was the hottest coordinator coordinator in the league and this team feeling like they could go in with the same unit from one year ago and make that run to the Super Bowl when they've been proven wrong. Daryl Williams, John Feliciano, when they've been out there have both struggled, had some up and down play. Now, obviously Feliciano wasn't out there tonight. He did not return to this game yet. He had a calf injury earlier this year, but before that he's been up and down. Daryl Williams is having a down year. Uh, and then you look at the defensive line that they've invested a lot in these young players. And, you know, Greg Rousseau made a nice play in the run game. AJ Eppen has had a, a nice play in the run game tonight, but they, they still had a difference maker there. So they're trying to run it back without maybe adding impact players on, on both sides. And they're finding it's not so easy to do. A good question. I think this could, you know, be where we kind of wrap things up for tonight. We'll come back with, you know, another show this week. I think we're going to do a show on Thursday and Sunday. As we sit here and look at the standings right now, first of all, the question is from Razin over on YouTube. So what's the outlook like the rest of the season? Playoff chances? Are the Bills still Super Bowl contenders? You know, I take them out of the Super Bowl contender conversation without a doubt. You can't be this inconsistent from week to week. We're now at eight weeks in a row where they've won and lost and won and lost for eight weeks in a row. You're not a Super Bowl contender. If you can't win back-to-back games in the regular season, you lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. I mean, we've seen now over the course of this season, how bad of a football team that is. That is not a game. A Super Bowl contender goes on the road and loses. I'm sorry. So there's that. Um, I wouldn't have them in the Super Bowl conversation. Then you kind of look at the standings and where we're sitting here, uh, 12, 13 weeks into the season. Patriots at nine and four, Titans, Ravens and Chiefs at eight and four, the Chargers and Bengals ahead of the Bills because the Bills now have five losses in the AFC, Ryan. And they're now sitting in the seventh seed. And oh, by the way, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers a half game back who had the tiebreaker over the Bills. Indianapolis Colts, tiebreaker over the Bills. They're in a really tough spot, and we could be sitting here talking after next Sunday's show about a about a seven and six Buffalo Bills football team in the hunt for a playoff spot. Craziness, and considering where things were, you know, even a month ago. 
Yeah. Listen, no one expected the Bills to be in in the in the hunt graphic a year after the season that they had when they made it all the way to the AFC championship game. No one expected them to be in the hunt after they knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season this year. But this team is not good enough right now to, to be taken seriously as a Super Bowl contender. Are, are they in the mix still for a playoff spot? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, the AFC is a bit of a mess. Uh, after tonight, there's no reason you should believe in, in the Patriots being some dominant team. You saw that the defense is as advertised, uh, but Mac Jones has his limitations. We've seen the Baltimore Ravens lose some some bad games this year. Lamar Jackson be very inconsistent in his play. Uh, the Chiefs are on a roll right now, but there's still something wrong with that offense. Patrick Mahomes does not look good. It's the defense that has risen to the occasion. Um, that move signing Melvin Ingram looks better each week because he keeps making some plays here and there. So this conference as a whole, there, there's not some dominant team. The Bills can sneak into the playoffs and make some kind of run, but it's hard to trust them, like Matt said, when they've been this inconsistent. So, do I, do I still think they're in the playoff hunt? Yes, absolutely. Do I think they're a Super Bowl contender? No, because they've done nothing to show me over the, the past eight weeks that they deserve to be considered in that light. I'm picking the Buccaneers next week. You don't have to wait for Thursday's show. I'm going to pick the <laughs> Buccaneers to win, even though the, the trend has been the Bills find a way to respond. And maybe they do that. But it's, you know, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to go on the road against the defending Super Bowl champions, against Tom Brady and that defense and that offense. Um, and, and have enough answers. And, and I think next week is the week that we, we really get an idea of what it's going to look like with Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson on the boundary. Uh, B. Howe Jr., I think you're being too hard on the Bills. They got beaten by one play in extraordinary conditions and still have a path to division. They do. And that's something that I made a point of before the show was that everybody saying the division was off the table after this game. I thought that, I thought that was ill conceived, but how you lose. The hit to the morale that this type of game potentially can have on this team, we saw that frustration come out in the postgame. And because there have been so many instances where you're waiting for this team to kind of find an answer and, and put together and stack some wins, like they like to say, and, it, and the fact that it hasn't been able to happen, I think that that's a very concerning development. And I just don't think the way that they – are so one-dimensional and really on both sides of the ball against a good, like next week against Leonard Fournette, he's one of the best running backs in the league this season. You know, the Tampa Bay can just pound it. They don't have to rely on Tom Brady too much. And, you know, if the Bills are able to stop the run, then they can maybe go to the passing game. And then you're probably not going to run against Vita Vea and that defensive front for the Bucs. So it's going to be the same type of situation. The Bucs are going to play probably too deep and take away the deep part of the field and force you to, you know, go up and down the field. Ryan, at this point, can you trust this Bills offense to, A, scheme up a, a, a multiple drives against a good defense, two, figure out a way to not shoot yourself in the foot consistently, consistently with bad penalties, um, you know, bad decisions with the ball or, you know, map read a fumble, turnovers. I mean, it's it's the same story that we've been talking about week after week. Yeah, can you trust them? No. Can it happen? Yes. Uh, we, we've seen the pay, uh, the Buccaneers, I should say, lose some some questionable games this year. They lost to Trevor Simeon in the Saints when Simeon had to come in. Um, the, you know, they're not necessarily dominant, but you mentioned it, Matt. Leonard Fournette is going to have success most likely against this team. But more than that, 
the Buccaneers are going to play off of that. They're going to use the play action pass where Brady, you know, he's, he's still lethal no matter what he does. And you're going to have Levi Wallace, a, a, a cornerback he's very familiar with Dane Jackson, an experienced cornerback who, you know, a nice pass breakup tonight, some nice stops against the run, but he's going to get a, a heavy workload. I, I feel next week against Tom Brady. So they're not, this team is not going to be one dimensional, they might run the ball early and often against the Bills, but eventually it's going to be Tom Brady then using the play action and then using the pass when the Bills start having to play the run. That is going to be a very telling match. But I think that the Bills, though, right now, they're at this breaking point because you mentioned it. Uh, you could see the frustration in their responses post game. You can see it on the field now. There's only two ways that this can go. They can either figure things out really quickly go on a run in the, the rest of the regular season and find themselves a playoff spot, or this can really go poorly. And if it goes really poorly, coaches, some certain coaches are going to have to go at the end of the season. They're going to have to let certain players go, and they're going to have to change the makeup of this team. And all of a sudden, this Bills roster that was talked about as being a Super Bowl contender for the next five to ten years, you're going to have serious questions about it. Now, as long as you have Josh Allen, you're, you're going to be in the mix, but – you're going to have a lot of pieces and a lot of coaches that maybe you have to go back to the drawing board on and really figure things out because there's so many questions about this team so late in the season here in December that it's hard to believe that this is the case after seeing how well they played last year and how well they were playing earlier this year. I will say that, you know, traditionally speaking, the bill, Sean McDermott has the narrative right where he wants it. Everybody's counting the bills out. Everybody doesn't think they have a chance to win division nationally. That's going to be the narrative all week. Uh, even people that have been believers in this, I think, are at a, are at a very concerned stage uh, in, in this season and what the Bills can potentially do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see it play out. Uh, I don't think the division is off the table. I think that they, they do have the kind of players in the room to get together, fix some of the problems, and, and make a little bit of a run, especially if they can get up and beat the Bucks. I mean, and you know that that you have a path to division, I, especially with the Dolphins still to play for the Patriots. I, I truly do believe that. But a lot of things got to get fixed, and we're going to talk a lot about them on Thursday. From hot to go pizza and appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, to delicious salads and. Brownie Trays tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. We didn't get to all three reads today, but we appreciate you guys staying up late and uh, joining the show. Uh, we will be back on Thursday. Don't forget, we are going to have a huge event December 17th. You're going to want to come out, meet myself, Ryan Talbot, uh, Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. It's going to be a fun time. Have a great uh, rest of your night. I was going to say weekend, but it's Monday. Well, it's Tuesday. <laughs> we'll see you on Thursday. Thank you, everyone. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.